Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. I just be a royal and then decide not to be. Crisis meeting Monday. What senior royals hope to accomplish with Harry and Meghan taking a big step back. You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening. Thanks for joining us. Many on the South Coast spent Sunday digging out after a storm dropped heavy snow. The storm meant more ferry cancellations and led to a messy and dicey time on the roads. And there is more bad weather news coming. But first, Julia Foy joins us in Surrey with the conditions there. Julia, how's it looking tonight? Well, I'm here in North Surrey and the snow has just started to fall within the last half an hour. So get out your woolly socks because here comes another blast of winter. North Surrey buddies John and Rob were out early Sunday morning getting a winter wonderland workout. What else are you doing at our age? Shovel snow. Who needs to watch football? You don't want to piss the neighbor off because he'll throw the snow over here. After 11 centimeters of the white stuff fell here overnight, residents were left with little choice but to clear out their driveways before the weather gets even worse. The snowstorm that blew through Metro Vancouver and the Fraser Valley was selective in its targets. While many communities dodged the snowfall entirely, many higher-level neighborhoods in Burnaby, Coquitlam, Maple Ridge and out in Abbotsford and Chilliwack couldn't escape. Oh, we've been out since Friday when the storm started and we'll continue to be out around the clock until such time as the snow and ice concerns have subsided. As temperatures rose through the day, the snow problem became a slush problem, leading to flooded streets and slippery and dangerous conditions. We're widening out the roads and trying to get the snow as far off the road as we can. We also have staff that are dealing with making sure that the catch basins are clear to reduce the flooding on the roadway as well. There was no snow to be seen at the Tawasson Ferry Terminal, but windy weather shut down the service between the mainland and Vancouver Island for several hours. Many passengers were caught off guard. It's a bit disappointing, yeah. And the, the option is to go to the mall. I, I didn't come here to go to a mall. We checked before we came out and it wasn't posted. I just got five days on a train to get here to find out it's cancelled for seven hours. They didn't tell me they're going to cancel it online. They didn't say anything. So At this point, I can't say if the later sailings will go ahead or not. So we are encouraging customers just to keep checking our website for the latest travel advisories on any further cancellations. With up to another 10 centimeters of snow expected overnight, don't put that snow shovel too far away. I know, I did it all yesterday, getting ready for all the ice that's coming. Yeah, I know, I got to shovel again because tonight's going to freeze, right? Now, BC Ferry says they are going to add an additional sailing tomorrow morning. But, of course, if some boats don't go out tonight, they may have to add extra sailings tomorrow right through the day. And as we do expect up to 10 centimeters of snow tonight, you might want to watch Global News in the morning to find out what your Monday morning commute is going to look like. Back to you. Good idea, Julia. Thank you. 
and the interior. Some in Kamloops woke up to blowing snow this morning. Environment Canada forecast 5 to 10 centimeters of snow with winds gusting up to 90 kilometers an hour and temperatures plunging to minus 27 with the wind chill. With the risk of frostbite, there is deep concern for the region's homeless because of a lack of shelter space. Uh, we, we don't have any space today. During the day today or tomorrow had been planned for like a day room. So, I mean, our big concern is, I mean, we're just getting started with it right now. I mean, we're going to minus 29. So, I mean, it's absolutely essential that the community have at least a warming place. We literally just came down here to meet with one guy who was sleeping outside. And uh, before we knew it, we've had about 10 people um, here at the Vic. So a real uh, shout out to the Vic coffee shop here that said, hey, yeah, you're welcome to kind of do a, basically a, um, a, a station to set up at first. So this has basically been our staging ground as we try to deploy uh, staff and resources in both our buildings and, uh, and work, with the, uh, work with the mustard seed to try to get that place opened up too. In the middle of a snowstorm, a horse was killed and its rider hurt when they were struck by a CN train in Kamloops this morning. The accident happened just after 10.30 near Devick Road in Raleigh. And the rider was taken to hospital with undetermined injuries. The horse died at the scene. No word yet on the cause of the crash. In the Okanagan, residents woke up to heavy snowfall this morning that continued through the day. In the afternoon, an Arctic front moved in with strong, gusty winds that dropped temperatures. And there's also a warning tonight for the Okanagan Connector that blowing snow could affect visibility. All this ahead of extreme cold expected to move in tomorrow and stay until Wednesday. With the wind chill, it could feel as cold as minus 30. Well, the other major concern about this storm is the deep freeze that begins tonight on the south coast. And it's expected to last for a few days, as we mentioned. Any rain or snow that's fallen will turn to ice, turning roads and sidewalks into potential sheets of ice. Paul Johnson has that part of the story. A few inches of slush on the road mostly qualifies as just a nuisance. But it's what sub-zero temperatures will turn this into that will be the biggest challenge. Drivers should expect Monday morning's commute to be one of the most challenging yet this winter. And every transportation system in the region is getting ready. The city of Vancouver already has 40 vehicles out plowing and salting and pushing the slush from the curb to the main lane so it can be chewed up by traffic. Our service level is to have the main arterial roads plowed within 12 hours of the snowfall ending. We will be bringing in our uh, snow and ice control team uh, tonight about 6 p.m. At YVR, crews are preparing to make sure every surface airplanes move around on is ice-free. And if it turns out to be as cold as expected, the planes themselves will need to be de-iced, adding a short delay to each takeoff. So that does take an extra 10 to 15 minutes depending on the size of the aircraft and the temperatures. Um, and so uh, it takes a little bit longer to uh, become airborne uh, in winter, uh, but that's just part of the process. People aren't ready for the cold, so we'll be seeing them with things like a heat reflective blanket to reflect body heat, keep people warm. We have sleeping bags. In Vancouver's downtown east side, a very different kind of preparation is underway. Shelters will be opening up more space for homeless people this week, but the expectation is that hundreds will still be outside in the coming freeze. One particular area of concern this year is the Fraser Valley, where the homeless population has grown substantially. 
The Union Gospel Mission has two emergency vehicles that will be heading east this week. The list of things that can kill you when you're homeless is, is very long, but the list of things that can kill you during extreme weather is extremely long. Paul Johnson, Global News. All right, meteorologist Yvonne Shell joins us now. Yvonne, no matter how we prepare for this kind of weather, we never seem fully prepared. Yes, and the biggest advice that I have for everybody, if you haven't shoveled already, please get out there this evening. Any of the snowfall that we'll see is going to stay over the next little while. We have seen some snowfall, 5 and up to 10 centimeters. That's what the range was. Higher elevations got up to 20 for Westwood Plateau. And this evening, just in the wake of the front, we're still seeing a few flurries accumulating snowfall for higher elevations with an additional 5 for tonight and then for tomorrow morning the commute will be a dry one we've got a mainly cloudy sky still very windy this evening gusts out of the airport right now closer to 60 kilometers per hour and it's the extreme cold that we're tracking an arctic outflow warning for whistler fraser valley and house sound wind chill overnight minus 20 or lower and a quick sample of some of the numbers that we will see especially for the northeastern corners of the province i'll have more on that which areas how cold and how long will last colleen all right looking forward to it i think <laughs> there is a growing memorial for a 17-year-old boy killed in a crash in West Vancouver this weekend. Flowers, a basketball, and messages have been laid at the site of the accident. Early Saturday morning, police say a BMW slid sideways and slammed into a power pole. A 17-year-old North Vancouver boy was killed. A 19-year-old female passenger was rushed to hospital. Tomorrow, grief counselors will be available to speak to students at two high schools the victim attended. A candlelight vigil was held tonight for a taxi driver killed in a suspected impaired driving crash in East Vancouver last month. Friends and family met at Clinton Park before heading to East First and Renfrew, where Sanipal Singh Randawa was killed on December 29th. Vancouver police say the driver of a speeding car to go may have been impaired and possibly evaded a counterattack roadblock when he hit Randawa's cab. The 28-year-old taxi driver died at the scene. His two passengers were injured. Someone made a decision to be like drink and driving and um, took my brother's life. And it's just not his life and it affects all his family and like all the people around him, all his friends. And so we just want to like uh, make an awareness, like just uh, to make sure we don't drink and drive. The energy giant behind a multi-billion dollar project, a multi-billion dollar pipeline project that is in north central BC, has been granted temporary access to its work site. It comes as an ongoing standoff between the company and pipeline opponents continues. As Sarah McDonald reports from Houston, the one-time agreement means RCMP won't be enforcing an injunction order yet. RCMP will not be enforcing an injunction order on indigenous land in northern BC for the time being. Opponents of a hotly contested natural gas pipeline on what sued in First Nation territory, granting temporary limited access to workers on Sunday. Technicians from Coastal GasLink, the energy giant behind a contentious $6.6 billion pipeline project, was granted access to its work site to winterize its structures on Sunday ahead of an upcoming cold snap. What sued and hereditary chief 
chiefs at odds with the nation's elected chiefs who support the project, along with the provincial and federal governments, granting workers one-time access for up to eight hours after a written agreement was inked guaranteeing crews would vacate the site immediately afterwards. That court-ordered deadline for the removal of any obstruction to pipeline construction on Wet'suwet'en land came and went on Friday, meaning RCMP could now enforce that injunction at any time. But that will not be happening, at least while crews are on site, under the agreement announced on Sunday. Spokespeople for Wet'suwet'en pipeline opponents are firm that this one-time access for Coastal GasLink workers does not constitute consultation with the company, saying they remain firm in their resolve to stop construction on unceded territory in defiance of the B.C. Supreme Court. We have no intent to cause harm uh, to others. We are simply working to uphold and protect our rights and title to this land. Consent was never given by our hereditary chiefs for this project. And so we are simply reasserting um, our rights. Coastal GasLink and RCMP maintaining they are working towards a respectful resolution to the standoff, as are the Wet'suwet'en Nation members opposed to the pipeline. Its hereditary leaders issuing several directives to RCMP last week, asking that any arrests, if they do happen, are not violent. Sarah McDonald, Global News, Houston, B.C. Canadian officials looking into last week's downing of the Ukrainian jetliner outside Tehran have now arrived in Iran and more are on the way. Iran has admitted to accidentally shooting down the plane on Wednesday, killing all 176 people on board, including 57 Canadians. The federal government says three members of Canada's standing rapid deployment team arrived Saturday to establish a base of operations and eight more will travel tomorrow to help with the investigation. They will help provide consular assistance to families of the victims, including identification and reparations of remains, repatriation of remains. Dozens gathered in inclement weather at the Vancouver Art Gallery this afternoon to light candles in memory of the victims of the catastrophe. They also wrote messages in support of family members of those killed. You know, it's a... Uh such a small community, Iranian Canadians, um, you just turn your head around and everybody knew somebody. And uh, friends, you know, neighbors, uh, families, uh, colleagues, you know, classmates. Mohammed and Zainab Asadilari uh, were my students. They were brother and sister. They were 21 and 23 when they passed. And uh, they were my students, but they were also very dear friends. Um, sometimes students come into your life and they just stay in your life and, and they transform you. And uh, we had that kind of relationship, familial relationship. One of several services held today honoring some of the Canadian victims of Iranian Ukrainian Flight 752. Separate ceremonies in Edmonton and Toronto with the Prime Minister attending the Alberta Memorial. Here in B.C., a celebration of life was held this afternoon for three members of a Port Coquitlam family who were killed. Kristen Robinson has more. The Tri-Cities lining up to honour a family of three who lived for their community. Yeah, it's a sad, sad day. I lost a brother, I lost a sister, and I lost a son. A crowd 800 strong celebrating the lives of Nilufar Kamsi Razagi, her husband Ardalan Ebnaden Hamidi, and their 15-year-old son Kamyar, 
The Port Coquitlam family aboard Ukraine International Flight 752 when it was shot down by Iran. Our heart is broken. They wanted to show Kamyar, um, Persian Gulf and all of those, like the beautiful place in Iran, but unfortunately this happened. The missile then hit them. It hit our hearts. Your entire country stands with you tonight, tomorrow, and in all the years to come. We will build that future they all dreamed of together. The Prime Minister joining hundreds at the University of Alberta, where 13 Edmonton area victims were remembered. Justin Trudeau speaking of the agony in meeting with loved ones of some of the 57 Canadians killed in a tragedy he says never should have occurred. Sitting with these families while they talked about their loved ones, learning who they were, what they loved to do, what their plans were for the future, was gut-wrenching. The grief palpable in Toronto, where hundreds more gathered to mourn Canada's loss. I don't know how they went through those two minutes from hitting then to hitting the ground. He loved his wife, he loved his parents, he loved his brothers. Along with profound sadness, demands for justice. We must make sure that we do everything in our power to ensure that the regime is held to account for what they have done. We will seek accountability together and we will seek and we will get justice together. We are in disbelief, we are shocked and now we are angry. Angry that Ardalan, a civil engineer, will never work on another SkyTrain line, Nilufar will never start her new job as a high school math teacher and Kamyar will never realize his dream of becoming a chef. Kristen Robinson, Global News. There are questions tonight about a false alert that left a lot of Ontario residents concerned, to say the least. A smartphone warning that there had been an incident at the Pickering Nuclear Generating Station in southern Ontario. As Morgan Campbell reports, the city of Pickering is demanding answers as to how this could have happened. Many of you woke up to this alert this morning. An emergency warning that an incident occurred at the Pickering Nuclear Generating Station. After that, I am thinking I had prepared, you know, like uh, my documents and stuff. I always assume it's an accident the first time around. But that alert sent to nearly every electronic device in the province was an error according to the utility. It's unclear at this point what exactly led to the error and why it took nearly two hours to send out a cancellation. Politicians at all levels of government are demanding answers and they would like to see a full, thorough and transparent investigation. In a statement, OPG claims the alert was issued during a routine training exercise. The chief nuclear officer writes, OPG has a sophisticated and robust notification process in place that we would immediately follow in the unlikely event of an incident at the station. Further writing, 
I want to assure the public that there was no incident at the station and the plant is operating as designed. It does not excuse the fact that uh, people were scared, uh, they were nervous, and they have a right to answers. The mayor of Pickering says he has spent the day fielding calls from concerned residents. It was dramatic, and I'm very angry and very concerned that uh, this has occurred at all. I think the key is you never really know what's going to happen. Ted Grutzner is with Global Public Affairs and prior to that worked in the executive's office at OPG. So I was kind of surprised that there wasn't a note saying this is a drill or this is a test. They created a lot more questions than they actually answered, and I think that's something that they're going to have to look at uh, as they do a review of this. Researchers say the silver lining here is that the alert system was indeed effective. In the nuclear uh, profession, you, you, you document and you look at how this happened. OPG is the largest electricity producer in the province, and Ontarians want answers as to how such an error occurred and why. Morgan Campbell, Global News. In Alberta, a skier was rushed to hospital after being buried in a human-triggered avalanche near Lake Louise. Avalanche Canada says the slide happened near Highway 93 at around 2 o'clock Friday on Mount Hector, close to Lake Louise. It was triggered by skiers. It's believed a female skier was under the snow for about 45 minutes. Her friends helped dig her out. A 32-year-old woman was airlifted in critical condition. It's been a weekend of messy weather in southern Ontario. Roads and properties were inundated with a mix of snow and freezing rain. Parts of the greater Toronto area flooded, getting as much rain as they would normally see in all of January and February combined. Overnight, police shut down a stretch of the Don Valley Parkway, one of Toronto's main arteries because of flooding northeast of Toronto. Plummeted. Temperatures there plummeted much, making for treacherous conditions, turning rain to ice. And that same storm system pelted parts of Quebec City with icy conditions. In Montreal, freezing rain turned early in the day, turned into light snow, creating slippery roads and sidewalks. And the weather is now moving through Atlantic Canada, prompting weather warnings across that region. Tragedy in Oregon, where three people were swept out to sea during extremely high tides. Police say a man was holding his two children in his arms, aged seven and four, when they were all swept into the ocean near Cannon Beach on Saturday. The Coast Guard suspended its search for the four-year-old boy. Officials say a seven-year-old girl was found but was later pronounced dead at a local hospital. The children's father was taken to hospital, but his condition is not known. The U.S. National Weather Service says waves reached as high as 30 feet in some areas. A break in the weather has given firefighters on the front lines of those deadly wildfires in Australia their first glimmer of hope since the crisis began. Finally, a cool change has crews on the front foot shifting away from their critical defensive role into offense. The country's Prime Minister, Scott Morrison, has faced calls to resign over how he dealt with the disaster and his lack of environmental action. But as conditions ease, Morrison is changing his tone on climate change, which critics say fueled those mega blazes. He's proposed a royal commission into the fires and the impact of the climate, which is a political sticking point in Australia. We're living in longer, hotter drier summers. Um, this is obviously affected by the broader changes in climate. There's no, there's no lack of acknowledge of that. You'll find that in all the government's policy statements. What I'm saying is we want to reduce emissions and do the best job we possibly can and get better and better and better at it. 
He was careful in his language, but it appears that for the first time, the conservative-style government, which is divided on climate change, acknowledges that a warmer planet is having an impact down under. Meanwhile, wildlife officials in Australia make a food drop for animals in wildfire-ravaged forests in New South Wales. While it's estimated more than a billion animals have been killed by the fires, for those who have survived, habitat loss means food is now scarce. The local government is, oversaw food drops of thousands of kilograms of sweet potatoes and carrots to bush-tailed rock wallaby populations affected by the fires. The move is just one of its key strategies to support the recovery of the endangered species. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Isn't the point of traveling to get away from it all? To feel the best you've ever felt? Then maybe you should check out Aruba. You'll spend your time relaxing on cool, white, sandy beaches and floating in healing blue water. You'll meet locals brimming with gratitude for an island that redefines what a paradise can be. When your trip comes to an end, you won't need another vacation because you just had the vacation. That's the Aruba effect. Plan your trip at aruba.com. An incredible story of survival in the Alaskan wilderness. A man stranded in brutal cold for weeks is alive tonight thanks to creative ways he managed to reach rescuers flying overhead. It was a moment Tyson Steele feared he might not live to see. Kilo 3, you were partially 10 when I copied you arrived at the cabin. His SOS in the snow finally spotted by state troopers after a devastating fire left him stranded in a remote part of Alaska. I was grateful that all my bullets blew up because that could have been a temptation. Steele told troopers he awoke in the middle of the night to find his cabin in flames, his nearest neighbor more than 20 miles away. He grabbed what he could, but nearly everything inside was lost, including his beloved dog, Phil. It was cold. I didn't have any socks in my boots, um, and I was just wearing uh, pajamas at that point and a, and a T-shirt. For more than 20 days, Steele survived Alaska's brutal sub-zero winter weather, building a makeshift shelter and rationing his charred tins of food. Pineapples. I'm allergic to pineapples. I ate them anyway because it's what I had. Despite his harrowing experience, the Utah native plans to return to the last frontier. Two cabins in case one burns down. <laughs> Tonight, an Alaskan by choice and a survivor through and through. Sarah Harmon, NBC News. Wow. Okay, what could happen at tomorrow's high-stakes meeting between senior royals, including the Queen? We're going to have that right after the forecast. But holy smoke, looking, Yvonne, looking at that guy stuck in the wilderness um, reminds me of how some people must have felt here today. Yeah, depending on where you are, digging out for a few spots, and it is going to be very chilly. Extreme cold, some of the numbers in just a moment. This is actually a tower cam that's showing us what it looks like in Richmond right now. The winds have ramped up, and we are tracking some snowfalls. So accumulating snowfall and additional amounts for tonight. 
tonight, but it's going to be a much drier commute for tomorrow, and I'll have more in just a moment. We've got a northwesterly wind at 44 kilometers per hour in gusts right now, closer to 60 out of the airport. Here's the snowfall that we're tracking. So we've got cold air, and we've got the ingredients just for this evening. We've got a few bands. It's localized, but up to five centimeters, especially for higher elevations. It is going to dissipate, but it's very chilly, stretching into the Fraser Valley right now. Any of the precipitation falling is as snow with temperatures below the freezing mark. Here's the pocket that we're seeing just for this evening. It does dissipate, clears out. It'll be dry, a mainly cloudy sky for tomorrow, but the winds are going to continue. We've got outflow winds, temperatures are going to drop off, and our overnight low at minus 4 with the wind chill feeling closer to minus 10. For tomorrow morning, you will want to bundle up heading out the door and temperatures just getting up to minus two. Arctic outflow warning for Whistler, Fraser Valley and Howe Sound. The winds will range between 30 and up to 50. The Fraser Valley could get up to 80 kilometers per hour. And with it, a combination, temperatures are dropping off and the winds, we've got the wind chill near minus 20 or lower. And this is going to last for several days. So a heads up, we've got extreme cold right across the board. The winds this evening, 70 up to 90 across the south coast, the island included within that. Lots of warnings to talk about. Extreme cold for the northeast corners. Wind chill at minus 45. Arctic outflow warning for the north coast and the southern interior. Temperatures over the next few days minus 30 with the wind chill to minus 40. We haven't seen these temperatures in years so we are going to continue to track it. For the northeastern corners, many spots for the northern half of the province. Central interior risk of frostbite will be within minutes. We can see that with the wind chill feeling closer to minus 40 for a few spots and in towards the interior. If you're traveling along the mountain passes, still seeing snowfall this evening. It'll start to improve for tomorrow. Do check in with Drive BC. We've got blowing snow for many of the mountain passes and additional amounts between two and up to four centimeters. If you're heading into Whistler, the Connector 5, the Kootenai Pass is significant amount still with an additional five and up to 10 centimeters. The Peace, extreme cold, wind chill at minus 46. It's going to remain dry over the next three days. Whitehorse, the temperatures tomorrow just getting up to minus 35. Outflow winds right across the northern half of the province. Very windy conditions, 50 and up to 70 kilometers per hour. The wind chill for the coast will be at minus 20. Caribou and central interior risk of frostbite in minutes, and we are seeing wind chills into the minus 40s. Columbia and Kootenay will still see a few flurries just for the morning hours. The southeastern corners of the province this evening, 5 and up to 10 centimeters of snowfall. Thompson, Okanagan, wind chill at minus 25. Whistler tomorrow, minus 25, and sunshine over the next three days. We are going to still be seeing a few isolated flurries. Localized snow this evening up to 5 centimeters. Tomorrow, Colleen, bundle up. It's going to be a cold one, very chilly over the next few days. The next round of snow, a heads up. It's still a few days out, so do check back in. Could be Thursday, Friday. Back to you. Oh, goodness. All right. Thanks so much, Yvonne. Queen Elizabeth has called a family meeting for tomorrow to discuss the future of Prince Harry and his wife, Meghan. A palace source says Harry will join the Queen, Prince Charles and Prince William for crisis talks. It will be the first face-to-face meeting of senior royals since Harry and Meghan announced their plans to step back from some royal duties. The Queen seen solemnly heading to church Sunday near the royal estate in Sandringham. One day before a crisis royal family summit on Harry and Meghan's future, after the pair's bombshell announcement, their plans to step back from royal life. This is about them saying there's an urgency to this, we must find a solution. Prince Charles will jet in for the crisis talks from Oman, where he's been paying respects to the former sultan and greeting the new one. Prince William and Prince Harry also to travel to the estate. Meghan Markle likely to join the meeting by phone from Canada, where she returned to be with baby Archie after the announcement. The palace framing talks as complex and thoughtful. 
Broadcaster and close friend of Harry's, Tom Bradby, remains hopeful for resolution. He loves this country. He believes in the monarchy. And I think even now it's possible to, to construct something where... Yeah, maybe the half-in, half-out model does work. Beyond hashing out titles, housing, detail, and pay, perhaps, too, a chance to address a widening wound between brothers. British papers reporting Sunday Prince William's sadness over a broken bond with Harry. I've put my arm around my brother all of our lives, and I can't do that anymore. We're separate entities. They were once the closest of brothers, and now, unfortunately, that you know, they've taken very different paths in life. And new reports that Harry and Meghan told another celebrity confidant about their move before telling the Queen. Oprah saying the couple doesn't need her help. Now, their dear friend Sir Elton John is said to have known. His rep telling NBC News the plans were a surprise to him, too, and that he did not know before the Queen. Mm, that's a shame about Harry and William, though. Mm -hmm. It's, you know, you to see brothers who are so close. So hopefully it'll come full circle again. Hey, exactly. Families have rifts. What can you say? Uh, Barry, mm -hmm. this family is having no rift. <laughs> we get along. We don't see each other a lot. I think that's part that's of it. Right? That's the trick. <laughs> quality over quantity. Right? Yeah, I love it. <laughs> uh, speaking of that, Canucks, uh, very quality weekend. I think, you know, during the week in Florida, people are going, uh-oh. It's fallen apart, but they really bounced back nicely. They won again today in Minnesota. Highlights of that, and the Seahawks are hanging in. It didn't oh. look good early, but they may just get uh, one final chance to pull this out. So we'll have highlights of all that coming up. Oh, looking forward to it, especially mm. since in the newsroom I heard earlier that they were out. Seahawks are out. No, no. Like, there's, okay. There's a chance. You say there's yes, a chance. Yeah, there is. me there's a chance also. <laughs> you said something to me not too long ago. You said, anybody can win when they're feeling good. It's the real winners who pull it out when things are not going well. I told you that? Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> you did. Wow. I'm wise. Very wise. I'm very wise. <laughs> Sometimes you find out stuff about yourself. <laughs> Thanks, Colleen. Well, the sign of a, of a really good team is resiliency, and the Canucks have shown that this weekend. After two miserable losses to the Lightning and Panthers, the Canucks responded with back-to-back -back wins yesterday in Buffalo and then today in Minnesota, and now they have jumped into third in the Pacific, just one point back of first-place Calgary with a game in hand. Minnesota boy Brock Besser scored twice Saturday in Buffalo. The Besser uh, family on hand, including his dad, who's had some serious health issues. So nice to see him at the rink to watch his son play. Scoreless into the second when Canucks finally opened the scoring on the power play. Their sixth of the game, Quinn Hughes with the point shot, tipped in by Elias Pettersson for his 21st. Canucks with a lot of deflection goals of late, which is a good sign. It means they're going to the tough areas. The Wild would tie it, though. Marcus Foligno crashing the net. Uh, converts the rebound, ties it up 1-1. But just 14 seconds later, Canucks get it back. Bo Horvat bangs in a loose puck for his 14th, bit of a lucky bounce to get on that one. 2-1 Vancouver, and just a minute after that, JT Miller with more strong work on the boards feeds to Troy Stetcher. He rips home his third of the year past Devin Dubnik. 3-1 Canucks after two. Third period, it's all Jacob Markstrom. Big pad save here off Ryan Donato, and then another off Zach Parise. Markstrom, not a lot of shots against, but sharp when necessary. Then one more off Eric Stahl. Reads it perfectly, and then another from the doorstep here. Markstrom with 23 saves. 
And the Canucks win it 4-1 to one after a Bo Horvat empty netter. 2-2 two two on the road trip. They'll finish it up Tuesday in Winnipeg. And speaking of the Jets, they played host to Nashville. Winnipeg began the day with the exact same record as the Canucks. First period, Jets giveaway. Preds jump on it. Yakov Trenin to Kyle Turris for his sixth of the year. And that was all the scoring. Predators win 1-0, moved within three points of the Jets in the standings. Well, luckily for the Seahawks, they don't give out style points in the NFL. Seattle's won 12 games this year, including last week's wildcard win at Philadelphia, and it seems each and every one of them has been pretty ugly. But that being said, one more ugly win today in Green Bay, and the Seahawks would be in the NFC Championship game. Russell Wilson, 0-3 all-time at Lambeau Field. Not doing too well on the frozen tundra. The Packers always play well there. Aaron Rodgers, first possession, waste no time. 20-yard touchdown pass to Devontae Adams. 7-0 for Green Bay. The Seahawks offense didn't do much until late first quarter. Russell Wilson down the sidelines to Tyler Lockett for 28 yards. Led to a field goal. Hawks on the board down 7-3. But the Packers offense rolled back down the field. Rodgers to Devontae Adams. The Seahawks had no answer for that combination. Adams, six catches for 88 yards up to that point. They would uh, punch it in for a short touchdown a few plays later to go up 14-3. And then late in the half, Pack knocking on the door again. Aaron Jones takes it in. 21-3 at the half. It didn't look good for Seattle. Hawks need to get her going, and they do. Russell Wilson to DK Metcalf for a big gain. 24 yards inside the Packers' 15, and... They'll get her down close to the goal line, and that's beast mode time. Marshawn Lynch crashes his way in, and it's 21-10. to 10. But the Packers answer right back, and guess who? Devontae Adams, who will wiggle free from coverage, and then races in for the touchdown. It's a 40-yard pass and run, 28-10 Green Bay. Russell Wilson did all he could. Ran the ball beautifully, scrambles for another first down here. 64 yards rushing for Wilson at that point. And on the next play, scrambling again, rifles the pass to Tyler Lockett. And it's 28-17 after three. The Seahawks really, though, need a stop from their defense. They did get it, drove the field again, and Marshawn Lynch scores another touchdown. They went for two and missed. But right now, very late in the fourth, the Seahawks are down 28 23, so hopefully a chance to get the ball back and pull this one out. Earlier, Texans and Chiefs from Kansas City. And Wild doesn't begin to describe this one. The Texans come out firing Deshaun Watson to a wide-open Kenny Stills. 54-yard touchdown, 7-0 Texans early. Now the Chiefs have to punt on their first possession, but it's blocked by the, the uh, Texans and taken in for the touchdown by Lonnie Johnson. The Texans would go up 24-0 early in the second quarter. The Chiefs cut it to 24-7, and the Texans will fake the punt. A direct snap, but they are stopped well short. If that works, it's great, but it didn't, and that really swung the momentum Kansas City's way. Patrick Mahomes will turn that turnover into a score as he finds Travis Kelsey for the touchdown to make it 24-14. And then on the ensuing kickoff, another self-inflicted wound by the Texans. They fumble. Chiefs recovered deep in Houston territory. They got another touchdown to make it 24-21. And then before the half, Mahomes with his third TD pass to Kelsey. It was close to crossing the line of scrimmage, but reviewed and good. 52 combined points in the first half, most ever in an NFL playoff game, and the Chiefs had the lead. They kept on coming in the third, two more touchdowns, both from running back Damian Williams. 41 straight points. 
for the Chiefs. And in the fourth, Mahomes with his fifth TD pass of the game to Blake Bell as the Chiefs roar back to beat the Texans 51-31. So it'll be the Chiefs and Titans in the AFC Championship game next Sunday in Kansas City. And Olympic volleyball qualifier from the Pacific Coliseum. Canada taking on Puerto Rico after Canada rallied to beat Cuba last night. If Canada wins, they go to the Olympics. And first set, Stephen Marr with the kill shot. They took the first two sets. A match they should win handily, and they did. They take out Puerto Rico in straight sets. This is match point and jubilation for Canada. The men's volleyball team is going back to the Olympic Games for the second straight time. They had a surprise fifth-place finish in Rio in 2016. Welcome back. I mean, I can tell you the Seahawks lost 28-23, so season over, unfortunately. All right, the Raptors are hoping that uh, all of the injuries they've suffered to key players this year will actually work to their advantage in the second half of the season. After making a championship run, players like Mark Gasol, Pascal Siakam, Fred Van Vliet could maybe use a little rest from the grind of the long season, get them back for the stretch run. They could be fresh enough to make another run. Raps got two guys back from sick bay today, Siakam and Powell, as they took on San Antonio. Both players missing the last 11 games. Spicy P showing no signs of rust. Nails the three-pointer to give him 12 points in the opening seven minutes. Norm Powell also contributing. Cuts to the basket, takes the feed from Kyle Lowry and lays it in. Seven points for Powell in the first. 51-43 Toronto at the break. Third quarter, Powell will launch the three. What a difference it makes to have him and Siakam back. They're just waiting for Gasol and Van Vleet to get healthy now. Spurs, not a good team anymore, but former Raptor DeMar DeRozan can still throw down the power jam here and the foul. But the Raps still had a big lead. Meanwhile, Montreal's Chris Boucher still uh, getting uh, some minutes, throws down the dunk. Raps led by 18, but then a total meltdown in the fourth. They were outscored 36-19. Another former Raptor, Marco Bellinelli, with the three ball. And can you believe it? Toronto blows a big lead and falls 105-104 to San Antonio. Back to the NHL. Leafs and Panthers from Florida. Toronto three points up on Florida in the standings. Boy, the Panthers come out with some purpose. Already 1-0. Alexander Barkov makes it 2-0. And go to the second. It's now 4-0 Florida. And they'll score another. Frank Vetrano makes, a, makes it 5-0. Panthers top five in goals scored this year, and they hammer the Leafs 8-4. English Premiership, Manchester City with a chance to jump past Leicester City into second place. City at Aston Villa today, and they took out their frustrations. Already leading 1-0, Riyad Mahrez knocks in his second to make it 2-0. And then a beautiful setup from Kevin De Bruyne finds Sergio Aguero, who launches the first of his three on the day. And before the half, De Bruyne with another fantastic setup, blasts it far side for Gabriel Jesus, who converts Man City crush Aston Villa 6-1. City now leap over Leicester City into second, but there's still 14 points behind Liverpool. Final round of the Sony Open. Not a beautiful day in paradise. Blustery, rainy day in Hawaii. American Brendan Steele from the bunker at 11. Holes out for birdie to get to 13 under. He's got the lead right now with two holes to go. Nick Taylor of Abbotsford is uh, finished at minus three. He's currently 33rd. Corey Connors a little better at minus six, tied for 14th. We'll have the final highlights tonight at 11. Here's a look at your snow report for tonight. 11 new centimeters for Whistler, Blackcomb, 37 for Grouse, Cypress, 35, and 29. 
Nine new centimeters for both Manning Park and Revelstoke, Fernie 14, and Kicking Horse 1. Big White 16 new centimeters, 18 new centimeters for both Silver Star and Sun Peaks, and 5 new centimeters for Apex. Two new centimeters for Mount Washington, 17 Whitewater, Red Mountain 7, and Powder King 7 new centimeters. Okay, we've been talking about the weather all day, uh, and um, we're going to keep talking about the. The New York Times is under fire from many Canadians right now for a headline it published. Here it is, quote, Many Canadians are giddy at the prospect that Prince Harry and Meghan Markle could be moving to Canada, injecting some razzle-dazzle to the sprawling, bone-chillingly cold country. <laughs> On Twitter, many were quick to point out that North Saanich, where the couple spent Christmas, is typically warmer than many American cities. Yeah, that's the classic. They're painting this big country with the same brush. That we yeah. There's a lot, you need a big brush. Yeah, yeah igloos, need a but it's always cold. It, yeah. You know, okay. Uh, but we have to admit that it is cold in parts of this country, including right here in B.C. right now. Check out this video that's going viral in northern B.C. It shows just how slippery the road conditions are in Hazleton. Yeah, a global viewer sent us this video and says road maintenance is very limited in the area, making it very treacherous to drive, and I'd say very treacherous to walk mm -hmm. on, yeah, too. Michael Jackson started that way. Wow. <laughs> wow. So, okay, speaking of treacherous driving, Yvonne, you've got a bit of a warning for some Yeah, drivers. we've got blowing snow. Uh, if you're heading into the Fraser Valley right now, we've got very windy conditions. Uh, we are going to see it ramp up over the next couple of hours and then die off just past midnight. So, a heads up, we've got a few heavy bands of localized snow, up to five centimeters, additional to what we've already seen. It leaves off, but the big weather story will be the temperatures, the wind chill. Tomorrow morning, bundle up at minus 10, especially when you're heading out for work or school. A few flurries popping up, and then it's still a few days out. Thursday, Friday, we could see some more snow popping up. And please, go out and shovel if you haven't done so. It's going to be ice. It's going to be uh, right. Get rid an of ice drink everywhere. Yes. And salt. Exactly. Join uh, Jordan at 11 o'clock. Thanks for being here. Take care.